Amen. Woo, I'm ready to preach. Y'all ready? Okay. It's been like two weeks, as our student pastor so kindly pointed out. He was like, do you not preach anymore? Are you, <laughs> are you, not, uh, are you not preaching anymore? So I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to share of the word today that God's uh, really kind of burned inside of me and to jump back into this series called Missing Miracles. Everybody say Missing Miracles. After a couple weeks away, I'm excited to, to dive back into it. And I think that uh, we talked about how important this series was as we moved toward our one-year celebration because it was so important that we looked back and remembered everything that we had seen God do so that we had the faith to stand firm and believe that God is going to do even greater things in the future than we've seen Him do in the past. And, and I think it's equally important now that we look back even to our one-year anniversary and, and, and back further than that so that we continue to remember all the miracles and all the wonders that we've seen God do um, in our house and in our lives and in our families and all around us. Um, see, we believe uh, the, the kind of idea behind this series and the heart behind it is that we believe that the miraculous that we've seen God do, we're saying it this way, the miraculous that we've seen God do gives us the perspective to stand under pressure in faith that we will see the Lord move in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And if we could, I'd like for us to, to look back for just a couple of minutes today at what we've been kind of linking our hearts into in this series so that we can get our focus back in the right place as we move forward so that we can really fully see what it is that God wants us to see in this place today. It says in John chapter 20, uh, verse 30 and 31, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, why? Why are the miracles of Jesus recorded in this book? Why did, why did the Holy Spirit inspire John to, to record these miracles? Why, why, are, why are these so important to us? That you may, these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he came to do. And that by believing you can have life in him. The major idea that we're trying to understand in these, in these weeks together and days together in this series is that if our heart is connected to the heart of God, and if God's Spirit is living and working and moving inside of us, then we should be seeing the supernatural handprint of God all over our lives. If God is true, if the, if the same Spirit, well, we talked about it Wednesday night, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus is inside of us, then we should be seeing the supernatural handprint of God all over our not lives. Not just like once a year we've got a testimony of somebody being healed, but like daily we should be seeing the supernatural handprint, the supernatural breaking through into the natural in our lives. And because of this, because of this, the supernatural should be a recurring theme in our story and not just a footnote at the end of a chapter. The, the, the supernatural should be, should be a major theme of our life. I cannot believe everything that I've seen God do, not I can't believe that thing that I saw God do that one 
time. It should be the theme for us. And, and we looked in, in John chapter 2 where, where Jesus was at a wedding. And um, this is one of my favorite uh, passages in all of Scripture because it, it really gets people upset and, and talking about how it was, it was wine that's not fermented and it wasn't really wine. It was grape juice and, and all this other stuff. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was wine because I don't really see the, the usefulness in turning water into grape juice. <laughs> I'm just saying. So we looked in, in John. <laughs> Can I be real? They, look, it's not a problem if you're not going to lose any fun if your wedding runs out of grape juice. I'm just saying. I'm being honest. Now, if your wedding runs out of wine, people start going home. That's how it works. So Jesus, Jesus shows up to this wedding, and uh, they've, they've run out of wine, and, and Jesus is like, it's not really my time yet. And, 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 Mary, and, and Mary's like, no, you need to, to make something happen here. They're, they have no more wine, was what she said. And we saw in this, as, as Jesus said, well, bring me of the jars and, and, and did this miracle and turn this water into wine. Well, what, what we learned in that is that God is certainly capable to move uh, and, and do the miraculous in the big, life-changing, life-altering, uh, death-or-life-sink-or-swim moments of our life. But it's just as important that we understand that God is capable in the small things also. Because this, this, uh, this wine catastrophe wasn't life or death. It wasn't the end of the world. But the God that we serve, the God of the miraculous, is just as able in our major moments as he is in our monotonous moments. Our God is able in the big things and in the small things. There's nothing too big and there's nothing too Small, and what we saw is that often it's the small moments in our life that set the stage for God to move, that set the stage for the miraculous. So we saw in, in John 2 where Jesus changed that water into wine, and then we, we saw in John chapter 4 uh, where this royal, royal official set out uh, to find Jesus in faith that Jesus was the only one that was able to heal his son that was on his deathbed. He said, I don't care how far the journey is. I think we said it was like a 26 or 28 miles, something like that. I don't care how far I've got to go. i got to get to Jesus because I know that if I get to Jesus, Jesus is able to do the miraculous in my circumstance. I know if I get to Jesus, Jesus is able to heal my son that the doctors couldn't heal, to, to breathe a new life and, and a fresh life into my son so he said I've got to get to Jesus and, and the beauty of the text that we saw um, in this, in this uh, uh, chapter of John chapter 4 is, is the contrast from the first miracle whereas the first miracle was something uh, kind of that would be on a small scale and, and not life or death to, to now we're, we're, we're on this stage where it is life or death and it's this, this, this kid has life breathed into him or he dies either Jesus works a miracle or, or this man's son is gone. We see the incredible urgency of this man's only hope being Jesus doing what only Jesus is able to do. And we saw that when the word of God, when, when the word of Jesus speaks into our circumstance, when the word of Jesus speaks into our situation, everything changes. And it might not happen where we thought it should happen, and it might not happen when we thought 
it should happen, but it will happen at just the right time. At just the right time. So if you brought a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to John uh, chapter 5. That's where we're going to hang out for just a few minutes. It says in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish, Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic, Aramaic is called Bethsaida, Bethesda, and, when, and which is surrounded by five co- covered colonnades. I'm going to have to slow down. I'm trying to get through this fast. Have a great... Here a great number of people, of disabled people, used to live, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years he's been paralyzed. 38 years he's been unable to walk. 38 years he's been dealing with this same condition. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, This is so important. This is the biggest part of this text right here. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Somebody say it with me. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus says, do you want to get well, and he says, sir, I, I've been trying to get into this pool, and, and, and I've been trying, but, but every time I, I, I think I'm going to make it, I'm here day after day and week after week, and every time I think I'm going to make it, somebody else gets in in front of me. See, the belief was that if you're the, the first one into this pool, when, when the water is stirred by an angel or, or by uh, whoever, there's some, there's some, you know, Open to interpretation there, but, but, but if you're the first one in this water, uh, when the water is stirred, that you're healed of whatever ailment or disease that you may have. So, so you've got these people that are diseased and hurting and, and sick, and they're, they're sitting around this pool, and this guy says, Jesus, what do you mean do I want to get well? I'm sitting out here, aren't I? What do you mean do I want to get well? Every time I try to be the first one in the pool, I don't have anybody to help me in. So somebody beats me into the pool every time I think I'm going to make it. Every time I think I'm going to be healed, somebody beats me in. What do you mean do I want to get well? The stage for this miracle is one where a man has been unable to walk for 38 years. And he's been waiting by this pool day after day and month after month and maybe year after year. We don't know how long he's been sitting by this water waiting to be the first one in to get the healing that he's looking for. And hopes that one day, somehow, he'll make his way into that water. And receive what it is that he needs. And then one day, probably a day like every other day, I'm going to make my way out here and I'm going to sit by this pool. 
I'm probably not going to make it in again. But I'm going to go sit out here and, and hope that maybe today's my day. But it's probably, Sandra, just going to be like every other day. And then a man walks up to him on this day and says, do you want to get well? Asks him probably the most unlikely question that he could ask. Because it seems obvious, right? Do you want to get well? And, and just as... I, it seems like an obvious answer, but, but what I noticed was that he doesn't answer the question. Jesus says, do you want to get well? And you would think that the simple answer would be yes. Yes, I do want to get well. Please, this water may be stirred today. Can you just like hold me under, under my arms and, and when the water gets stirred, just drop me, man. I, yeah, I want to get well. But that's not what he says, is it? Jesus says, do you want to get well? And his answer looks so much like the answer that you and me so often, maybe even unconsciously, give to God. Sir, I have no one to help me. Into do you want to get well? That's a, that's a classic yes or no question. Yes. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. Do you want to get well? Sir, I've got nobody to help me into the water when the water's stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Do you want to get well? God, I keep doing this and doing this and doing this. And no matter how many times I do it, I still end up stuck in the same place. I keep doing this and doing this and doing it. And no matter how many times, do you want to get well? Oh, God, I just keep trying this and this and this. And I, no, 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 do you want to get well? Oh, God, I, every time I try. I just end up stuck sitting here by this pool waiting to see the miraculous. And see, here lies the problem with the way that you and me approach our faith and the way that we see the ability of Jesus. We let the miracles that we didn't experience inform our expectation of the miracles God wants to do now. We let the time that God didn't answer our prayer the way we prayed it inform our expectation of how God is going to answer our prayer now. Will we let the time that it wasn't in God's will to heal that family member, that it wasn't in God's will uh, to, to heal us, that it wasn't in God's will to change our situation, affect and inform the way we look at what God is able to do now? Yeah. 
And when this happens, when we let the miracles we didn't see inform our expectations of the miracles that God wants to do, we let our logical assumptions of what is possible trump out our faith. Well, I've prayed for this before, Ricky. I'm not going to keep praying. I've prayed for this before. And I'm still stuck sitting here. So it's probably not possible. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably, God's probably just not wanting to do it. This probably is just not God's will. I've been praying for this healing for a long time and I haven't seen it yet. I'm still stuck sitting here by this pool. We let our reality get defined by human limitations and assumptions rather than divine revelation. We let our reality get defined by what we think is logical because God hasn't come through in this way before and God hasn't done this before, so I'm just not really expecting God to move. God hasn't healed this now, so I'm just really, I'm going to stop praying about that because I'm just expecting that God's not going to heal that. 38 years. 38 years. And I'm sure not a day went by that he didn't wish he could walk. Not a day went by that he didn't say, God, just let me get in this pool. 38 years. Some of us in this room today have given up on what God has spoken to us because we haven't seen the fruit of it yet. Somebody in this room today has given up on the passion or the dream or the purpose that God has spoken over your life because you haven't seen it yet. And I want to tell you today that if God has spoken a word over your life, the book of Luke says no word from God will ever fail. Ever. Ever. And if we really believed that, then we would put a lot more Wait on what God has revealed to us than we do in what nature or culture or physics or parents or friends or, or anybody else or anything else in this world has said to us or about us. But we say, God, I've tried this before and I haven't seen the result that I was hoping for. So Scott says I should just give up. It's not really something Scott would say, but. He was sitting there. He's a good example. There's no way, there's no natural way that this can happen. I've tried to get in this water before. Multiple times. Maybe for years. And I've not seen any success. 
He said, this is what he said. He said, I'm limited. I'm limited by the fact that I'm not able to be the first one in the water. And Jesus is saying, I know you've tried before, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you, do you want to get well? I know you've tried before, but I'm asking you today, do you want to get well? You know, if, is anybody a baseball fan? Baseball fan, wow, lots of baseball fans. I thought the whole world hated baseball now. You know, if, if you know anything about baseball and, and being successful as a hitter in baseball and, and Joey Harple, I'll tell you because he's like a major leaguer. He's a, he's a professional, except for throwing. He must have been a really good hitter. <laughs> you know, you know what, what, what the key to it is? You can't, just because you've struck out before, go up to the plate expecting that you're going to strike out again. You can't, just because you've swung and missed before, you can't go up there expecting that you're going to swing and miss again. As a matter of fact, I've found that it works out a lot better in, in my exceptional softball experience. I've been on some world championship uh, regionally famous teams, uh, like in my little small region of Ridge Road Ballpark. And, um, and what I've found to be true is that you do a lot better not if you go up there expecting to swing and miss but if you go up there expecting to hit one out of the park see 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 I don't want my expectation to be informed by the time that I struck out I want my expectation to be informed by the time that I hit that bomb to dead center that went over the trees. I, I want my expectation to be informed not by the time that God didn't do what I asked him to do. I want my expectation to be informed by that time that God said, you're going to walk. That God said, your legs are going to be healed. And that lady walked out of this church waving her cane in the air. That's what I want my expectation to be informed by. Not by the times God didn't do it, but by all the times that I've seen God come through. Amen. It says when Jesus saw him lying there in verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well. Do you want to get well? We've got to come around the reality reality today. Just as did this man sitting by this pool. That our answer, our response to this question, do you want to get well? will either be the launch point for the miraculous or the place that the miraculous passes us by. 
do you want to get well? The question and our answer is the catalyst for what we're going to see God do in our life. So I want our answer to be, yes, God. God desires good for you. God desires for you to get well. God desires for your chains to be broken. God desires, God wants to bless you. But every blessing from the Lord comes with the responsibility to steward it. Every blessing from God comes with the responsibility to be a good steward of what God has blessed you with. Luke 12 says, from everyone, say everyone, who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Then Jesus said to him, Jesus said, do you want to get well? And he said, yeah, but I, I've, I've, I've gone through this, God, and I, I can't, I've tried to get in the water, and I've, I've, I've sat here for days and days and weeks and months, and I can't ever get anybody to help me into the water. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? Because if you do, then go Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus said, you want to get well? Pick up your mat and walk. And at once, at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Jesus said, get this. We got to get this. It's so important. I hope you're with me today. Jesus said, I'll do the supernatural. But once I've done the supernatural, you got to do the natural. Jesus said, I'll do the miraculous. But once I've done the miraculous, you got to pick up your mat and you got to walk. You, you got to do something with it. He said, once I've moved, you got to move. If you want to see the supernatural handprint of God in your life and see Jesus do what only Jesus is able to do. If you want to experience the miraculous. We can't just keep doing things the way we've always done them. He said, you, 
you've been sitting here a long time. Now you're healed. Get up and walk. You've been sitting here a long time. Now get up and go. You know what he said? He said, out of this blessing, it's time for you to get up and walk. He said, let's break it down a little bit. He said, out of the way I've blessed you, out of the miraculous I've done, it's time for you to get up and love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. Out of the way that I've blessed you, it's time for you to, to let go of the addiction that I've broken and start walking in your righteousness that I've wrapped you in. It's time for you to get up. See, I've done the miraculous. I've brought you from death to life. It's time for you to get up and walk in it. It says it's, it's time for you to be, to be generous out of the generosity that I've shown you. It's time for you to start walking in love out of the love that I've poured out on you. So we stand to our feet. I want us to see this real, real quickly before we leave. In a moment of grace, the supernatural broke through into the natural and the thing that had labeled this man's entire existence for the last four decades was shattered by the word of Jesus. The thing that had labeled this man for 38 years was shattered by a word from God. The thing that had labeled this man and caused him to sit here for days and weeks and months and years was shattered in a moment by a word from Jesus. And for somebody in this room today, God wants to shatter the thing that you think has you labeled, the thing that you think has you defined, the thing that the thing that the that culture says you are. God wants to shatter it in this place today. I believe it with all my heart. Something that's had had a hold over you for weeks or days, or months, or years, or maybe 38 years. God wants to shatter that label in this place that has defined you for so long. 
What are you talking about? I'm talking about God wants to shatter that label of drug addiction that's labeled you for so long. I'm talking about God wants to shatter that label of alcohol addiction that's labeled you for so long. I'm talking about God wants to shatter that label of pornography addiction addiction that's, that's labeled you for so long. I'm talking about God wants to shatter the thing that has you labeled because God has you labeled as his son or his daughter. God says, you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are in Christ. You are righteous in me. That's how I want you labeled. I don't want you labeled by anything in culture, anything in this world. I want, don't let anything label you other than the one that made you. It's time to take a step of faith. It's time to take a step of faith. You don't, this might sound harsh. I'm going to say it to the band. If you don't want to get well, keep doing what you're doing. If you don't want to get well, keep walking the way you're walking. If you don't want to get well, keep doing it the way that you've always been doing it. But if you do want to get well, it's time to pick up your mat and walk. It's time to take a step of faith. Can I promise you that everything will change in this moment? If you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, you know I can't. I can't promise you that everything will change in this moment. That your disease or your sickness or your addiction will be healed in this instant. No, I can't promise that. But don't let swinging strikes keep you from going to the plate again. things I've prayed about for years and I believe God's going to do them I believe God's going to come through so I'm going to keep praying for them and it might take 38 years but I'm going to keep stepping I'm going to keep stepping Keep stepping. Because the, the thing is, when you take steps of faith in the direction of the will of God, God will always get you to the place where he wants you to be. If you step in the direction of the will of God, God will always, every single time, get you to the place where he needs you to be if you're walking in accordance with his will. Here's the, here's the reality as we close. And it's this. Most miracles are the byproduct. Some miracles happen in an instant. Sometimes you get the opportunity to pray over somebody 
And they walk out of here without a cane when they walked in with a cane. Sometimes that's the reality. But the the other reality is that often miracles are the byproduct of long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the direction of the will of God. So you can't just pick up your mat. You got to walk. You got to step. 